Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. I'm pleased to welcome Raghu Raghuram to the broadcast. Raghu is the Chief Executive Officer of VMware, a cloud computing and virtualization company that earns nearly $12 billion in annual revenue. Raghu took his current post in mid-2021, but he's been with the company for nearly two decades. I look forward to getting his thoughts on the future of cloud technology, the future of cybersecurity preparedness and his recommendation for technology executives, the impacts of the pandemic on his business and his perspectives on how it's impacted his customers' businesses as well, and a lot more. Raghu, welcome to the broadcast. It's great to speak with you today. Great to be here, Peter. Wonderful. In today's unpredictable environment, long-term success rarely comes by chance. Thriving organizations are able to rapidly respond to whatever comes their way, be secure in the face of ever-evolving threats, and identify opportunities for ongoing innovation. How do CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs like you power these outcomes? It starts with a strong data foundation. That's why over 90% of Fortune 100 companies use Splunk. Splunk's extensible data platform powers full-stack observability, unified security, and nearly limitless custom applications. The result? They unlock innovation, improve security, and drive resilience. Tune into Technovation episode 630 with Splunk's president of products and technology, Sean Bice, in which he talks about what it takes to unlock innovation in this unpredictable world. And to find out more about Splunk, visit splunk.com slash why. And now for a word from our partner, Zoho and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He is now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Thanks, Peter. Since we started our partnership with you a couple of years ago, we have seen increase of 30 million users on our cloud, totaling now to over 70 million users in the global enterprise using Zoho SaaS platform to run their businesses. One of the reasons for this growth is continuous innovation we have focused on in bringing together disconnected and siloed processes under the platform called Zoho One. Zoho One Suite offers over 50 products to run your business. We have now powered it with Zia, our AI assistant and Zoho's BI analytics platform. This allows users to speak the same language across departments and organizations through predictions and insights the platform provides. Learn more at zoho.com slash one. And now on to the interview. Well, uh, Raghu, when you took over as a chief executive officer in mid-2021, uh, you'd already been with the company for, for nearly two decades. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, you know, in a transition like that, to what extent was your initial strategy one of continuity uh, versus one of reinvention. Uh, you, you'd been part of the administration, you were driving uh, plans of your own creation, and now you simply had a bigger chair that you were occupying. Talk a bit about the transition, if you would. Yes, all those things where Pat had the tiebreaker vote and I had the other side. I said, Pat's no longer here, let's go. Uh, no, to be more serious, I think uh, you're right. I mean, the seeds of the strategy uh, were uh, things that we had laid out um, actually for the last couple of years. However, we are being uh, very balanced. Two things I would say have happened, regardless of me. All strategy has to be based on two things, right? One is uh, what uh, customers in the market are telling you. And then the second is what are the core capabilities of uh, your team and the readiness of your products to go in a, any given direction. Thanks to the pandemic, thanks to uh, other factors, customers were accelerating their modernization journey, accelerating their move to the cloud. 
accelerating, uh, trying to blur the boundary between physical and virtual. And there was an increasing role of government in dictating where their enterprise organizations put their data, which clouds they use, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a set of macro factors that uh, were accelerating the trend that uh, customers were going to use multiple clouds. They were going to be modernizing their applications and putting them in all sorts of distributed locations. They were going to build out the edge. So there's one set of market factors that was accelerating. And then the other set of factors that was accelerating was the readiness of our products to move in these new directions. So when I was appointed the CEO, these were the two factors that prompted me to say, look, we're gonna go accelerate uh, the things that we had started, but we're doing in a more balanced fashion. So previously we were a lot more balanced about, okay, we're gonna do some on-prem, some cloud, et cetera. Now, since June, I'd certainly try to uh, move the dial to the right, if you will, right? So, so that's, that's how I would explain it. And then the second also is, uh, as you well know from uh, your own uh, work, if you want large organizations to move at a greater speed, you got to simplify, right? And you got to simplify and align. And this also helped with that. So, so that's... Uh, that's the change, I would say, and that's the rationale for the change. Really helpful. Thank you, Raghu. And I know in your prior role as COO of products and cloud services, you'd guided the company in transforming its applications into cloud services, part of yeah. what you're describing, in fact. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, the transformation you were leading, in, in, in there's an analogy to the transformation that your customers need to undertake. In, yes. in terms of that simplification, the broader embrace of the cloud, perhaps even you know multi-cloud strategies, as you point out, um, talk a bit about some of your own lessons uh, in, in in doing some of this work for VMware and how that translated to customers in their the need for a comparable journey of their own. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. When I talk to customers, I in fact address that very point because they all ask the same thing, and the reality is, as with any other any transformation. It's not about the technology at the end of the day. It's about the people and the practices and the culture, right? And so that's where we had to do the bulk of the change. I mean, we've been doing for the last couple of years and we are now accelerating. The way it takes for a company that was traditionally doing enterprise software to do SaaS is that's a significant change. And then secondly, uh, the, when you change the business model, it is not just about paying the salespeople a different way or saying instead of selling this product, sell this cloud service. It's a fundamental change across all practices in your company, right? Who, who you hire, the operations capabilities, the data capabilities, uh, of course, the compensation capabilities, et cetera, et cetera, right? So all of those things change. When you're trying to become a digital company, right? It's no longer a discrete set of stages. You build a product, you market the product, you sell the product, you service the product. Internally, we have this infinity loop. So everything going from building the product to having customers try it to having customers use a little of it and then uh, use a lot of it and then come back and give you data on how they're using it. And of course, when they need support, et cetera, et cetera. So the actual business model of a company, certainly a software company, fundamentally changes. And that change is a cultural change. 
It's a change in uh, business practices, literally speaking, right? It's also a change where you can't just say, throw out everything that is the old and bring everything that's new because we have customers that want uh, both sides of it. So it's how you navigate that is another one. So these are the areas that, that uh, my customers resonate with when I talk to them, right? Because all of them are in a similar boat. They're going from a purely physical world of doing business to a digital world of doing business, right? They're increasingly trying to become software companies, if you will, right? Mark Andreessen talked about it 10 years ago, but that's a sea change that's still going through, right? And uh, so they can't throw out the old, they got to build a new, they got to make <coughs> these things work together. And they all are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a product organization all of a sudden, right? So those things are completely resonate for our customers. Very, very interesting, Raghu. And, and I, you've talked about the, the need to redefine the category, that's a quote of yours, as a means of ensuring you don't end up on the wrong side of Clayton Christensen's uh, innovator's dilemma. Uh, you've, you're talking about some of the transformation that's necessary, but I wonder if you could peel back the onion a little bit further into the key principles of redefining the category. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in, in some ways, it's the, the key principles um, are the same principles that would apply in many different industries, right? Really, it is looking at what our customers are doing, looking at that trend lines, right? And understanding the business drivers behind it. And assigning a value and a, a class of uh, terminology almost to begin with, right? To describe what it is that customers want. And it has to be uh, relevant to the organizations that we serve in their terms, right? And that's what we spent a lot of time thinking about, which is where are, what are the trend lines within our uh, the customers that we serve and how would we characterize that and how would we describe that in a way that is business relevant to our customers, but it's also reflective of the deep underlying technology shifts that are happening. And so, so that's a, a big part of what um, we studied. And then the second big part of that is to really understand how is that fundamentally different from a technology and a product and a cloud service point of view with what already exists in the industry, right? Uh, from us or from somebody else. And if those three factors get satisfied, then you have the creation of a new category. And so that's what happened here, right? The category name that we came up with, uh, multi-cloud computing is, some would say it's not exotic or sounds, in some ways people might say it's boring, in what, which in my opinion is a good thing because you want people to relate to it. Second is no category term is accurate. It does not, for example, reflect the change that's happening on the edge because the true phenomenon that's happening is computing is becoming distributed. And if we talk about distributed computing, it sounds too geeky, right? Um, but that's really is happening. Computing is becoming distributed and ubiquitous and there needs to be consistent software platforms that enable uh, enterprise organizations to, to, as they become digital organizations, to build applications that run everywhere, right? And then of course, manage them and control them and so on and so forth. So it's really about that, that, uh, that led us to think about a new category. I appreciate that overview. And um, now that VMware is an independent company, I wonder what uh, technology segments you, you contemplating uh, targeting in terms of 
you know, partnerships and the broader ecosystem that you're curating as well, Raghu. Um, to talk a bit about that, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've always been uh, fairly independent in our day-to-day operations, even though we were uh, a controlled entity under Dell. Um, now that the corporate relationship has changed, on a day-to-day basis, uh, things have not dramatically changed. I mean, you ask an average engineer or an average salesperson, um, the salesperson probably still works very closely with the, their Dell counterpart as well as with others, right? And the engineer is still building products in a fairly industry neutral way. Um, but what has happened is the rest of the ecosystem and partners that previously were hesitant to work deeply with us are now saying, look, this is a standalone company. Yes, they have Dell as one of their partners and Dell as a competitor, but we can also equally take advantage of VMware capabilities if we work closely with VMware in order to advance our own, uh, what our customers want to do and what we want to do as a company. So that's that's really what we have seen. So it's not as much about entering a new category of business, right? That might well be facilitated down the road, but certainly not immediately. The immediate benefit is it allows us to engage in a deeper conversation with the uh, partners that previously were fairly superficially working with us and now they want to do much more with us. You, you've talked about the this multi-cloud uh, strategy, uh, multi-cloud computing as, as the area of focus and yeah. and the, strat, the strategy of, of hybrid clouds. Uh, yeah. So different yeah. organizations choose different pathways, uh, whether private, public, or hybrid. Um, talk a little bit about some of what you see as the key differentiating factors as to the approach a company might take. How do you advise the many companies with, that you're in regular touch with as to the, uh, the form that might take within their own environments? Yeah, so um, fundamentally, uh, I, we use a term that we call cloud smart, right? What's happened is in the last decade, some great uh, cloud companies have emerged, right? With significant uh, uh, innovation and R&D capability and capital spending, et cetera. And they all do certain things better than their counterparts in certain ways, right? Uh, and each of them has their own strengths. Um, so if you're a CIO, you would be shortchanging yourself by not taking advantage of all of these things. So that's point number one. Point number two, there is not enough time or talent in their companies or in the industry to redo everything that they have done, right? Nor is that a business case to do that. So. Uh, for many, many CIOs, what they are realizing is there is a certain class of applications that are best run in their existing data centers uh, because it is close enough to some data source that they don't want to move or be just cost prohibitive or because of regulations, they prefer to leave it there. Or for certain class of applications their IT teams can operate it much more cheaply, right? Uh, because a customer's application portfolio is not a, a uniform portfolio. And so they have a bunch of applications that they're gonna run in their uh, private data centers. Same time, they are rethinking the physical digital boundary, right? They're rethinking their manufacturing shop floor. They're re- rethinking their retail stores. They're rethinking their uh, logistics centers. 
et cetera, et cetera. And they're putting a lot more computing there and new applications there because they want robotics or whatever it is they want, right? And there are a lot of new applications they want to build to serve their consumers at scale, which they want to build in the cloud or use the AI capabilities in the cloud. So this is this distributed environment that companies are undergoing. And so hybrid was the first set of terminology and hybrid actually in many ways turns out to be a simplistic definition because that says the customer has some applications on premise, some applications in one cloud, and uh, that's how they're gonna operate. In reality, 75% of our customers, speaking about our customers are using two public clouds or more, 40% are using three or more. They all think that the, the edge is gonna house 10, 20% of their applications in the future, right? So the picture is gonna be more complex, which is why we evolved from just saying hybrid to saying multi-cloud. Multi-cloud is the super sad. And the core rationale for that is being cloud smart. Figure out where you wanna run a certain application or a business process, where it is best suited, and then build around it as opposed to saying, okay, I'm gonna reuse this or that. So. One of the things you mentioned earlier is the necessity to strive uh, towards simplification, um, that that's an important aspect of, of uh, or important tenet for, for IT leaders to orient themselves with. Uh, distributed computing is in, in many ways adds complexity. It also adds yeah. to the threat landscape uh, beyond yeah. that. And I know that, yeah. you know, uh, as cyber incidents continue to increase, uh, I know that this is a, a, a topic that is um, near and dear to you, not only, of course, uh, in managing your own company, but also in, in providing advice and providing products uh, for, for your, your clients as well. Talk a bit about it, some of your perspectives there in terms of the evolution of cybersecurity and, and uh, the, some of the practices that you, you believe to be important in light of some of the changes that you're describing. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. I mean, what we are embarking on in a world where applications need to live everywhere is a world of a lot more complexity. And in many ways, that is the problem that we are trying to solve for our customers, right? Historically, the reason people have brought VMware into their data centers is because we help them manage the complex heterogeneous landscape they're facing or with all of their iOS devices and Android devices and various end user devices. And that applies to security as well, right? If you're gonna be a digital company, then what it means is that most of your important assets and business practices are done in a digital world. Therefore, cyber security is in fact more important than physical security in many places. And so that's um, point number one. And point number two is when you're digital, you can literally be attacked around the world or the attacker can be from anywhere in the world. So I'm super sophisticated. So it can be nation states, it can be people that are out to collect ransoms. Uh, this can be classic attacks, if you will. Um, can be any number, right? So the number of threat vectors also increases, even as the importance of um, your digital assets to your corporation increases. As a result, um, there is no, it's no, no surprise that cyber spending continues to outspend, uh, outpace uh, everything, uh, even uh, digital innovation, right? And so. Um, we have taken an approach that you fundamentally 
cannot continue to put security on top of the platforms and the applications that you build. You got to build it into the platforms and the applications that you build, right? And uh, the simple analogy that I use is, uh, imagine if you had to go buy, you bought a car and then you got to shop for yourself, by yourself for airbags and uh, anti-lock brakes and uh, all of those uh, safety systems and then you go and bolt onto it. It is never going to be well done, right? Um, so what we try to do is in this multi-cloud world, build security into the platforms that customers use. And that's the approach that we are taking. And we are investing pretty significantly in that. And um, so we are not a pure play cyber company, but uh, security is one of the core areas which will be multi-cloud to your point. Customers do not have, again, the time or talent to say, I've got one way of doing security on AWS, another way to do Azure, Azure, another one on-prem, another one on the edge, another one on the end users. They want to bring it all together and they want to simplify it, right? Uh, and so that's what we are trying to do. Interesting. You alluded earlier to the accelerant that the pandemic has been towards transformation, uh, that many organizations pulled forward a lot of... Uh, uh, aspects of their roadmap uh, yeah. and, and and were able to actually achieve a clock speed, a, an ability to deliver uh, at, at rates uh, that they, they perhaps hadn't thought were possible simply by removing, in some cases, I'm speaking generally, but the ephemera that, that uh, builds up in some ways during less trying times. Uh, if anything, a crisis adds focus uh, for the entire team and a focus on those things that are most important. I wonder now, as again, as somebody who took your post uh, in the in the, the the throes of the pandemic, uh, in addition now, of course, to counseling many many others who are leading their way through this, what what have you seen as some of the most profound impacts and maybe some of the difference makers for those organizations that have been most resilient during these times, all things being equal? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the, the pandemic has been terrible in so many, so many dimensions, right? But one area where I think it's opened people's eyes is to newer ways of doing things and accelerating the pace of progress, right? Um, I think it was uh, um, Satya Nadella that said that the pandemic took 20 years of uh, enterprise IT progress and compressed it down to two years, right? Um, so I think uh, that statement largely has been playing out. The natural constraints to innovation have been removed. And the companies that have done well uh, have been the companies that have been willing to rethink their uh, what they've been willing to accept by way of their internal or external processes, um, partly due to the pandemic, but partly due to thinking, okay, it gives them a reason to think, okay, why don't we think about this in a fundamentally new way, right? It's removed all the mental inhibitors to what is possible and what's not possible. And so I would say that's one. And the clearest signs of that is in the accelerating pace of digital change, accelerating adoption of cloud, um, accelerating adoption of technologies that blend the boundary between physical and digital, right? Like, uh, I don't know, cashierless stores or store pickup while you order on your phone or on the web or whatever it is, right? Um, or uh, telemedicine, you can name it, right? So I think that's one. But the other equally important thing is it has brought about the importance of resiliency, of digital resiliency, right? 
and uh, uh, companies have realized that this is the ultimate resiliency test. It's not about one piece of software going down or one piece of your infrastructure going down. It's the world literally changing before your eyes. And we have stories upon stories upon stories of customers that went from 99% in the office to 99% working from home and having to support remote employees and so on and so forth, right? And that opens up a new world. I don't think any of those things are going back to the old state. So what is going to be very interesting over the next several years is which of these habits that we adopt during the pandemic are we going to keep and keep forever? And there are going to be some that we're going to be a blend of the what we used to do and what uh, we are doing now, right? For example, I think uh, customer engagement will be always be hybrid. I mean, uh, both the customers and companies will want to meet face-to-face, but there's a lot they will do via this sort of mechanisms, right? And there'll be some interesting blends of both. Um, so I think it'll be those two things, I think, Going back to completely the old way, I think is going to be a very, very small fraction. So I think this is one of the uh, irreversible uh, changes that has happened in how we live and work. I know that you are in the throes now of thinking about kind of the longer term strategy for the organization and uh, and its broader implications. We would be grateful if you could share a little bit about your vision uh, as you look to the future. Yeah. So. Um, uh, last, uh, about 18 months ago, we put out our 2030 agenda with respect to uh, three factors, trust, equity, and sustainability, right? They are broadly in what the industry calls as ESG, enterprise social governance, right? And uh, to our point earlier, um, this is one of the cases where how the world around us, what is important to the world around us, to our organizations, to our customers, to our stakeholders, investors, et cetera, and what's important to our employees. These three words are, uh, let me explain the trust, of course, is, uh, is refers to some of the topics we talked about, resiliency, cyber resiliency, other resiliency in other forms. Uh, having suppliers like ourselves be trusted by the larger populations that we serve, right? Equity is about diversity, equity, and inclusion, helping span the digital divide, striving for a more equitable workplace. Uh, and sustainability, of course, is, uh, is helping do what we can and must and should do to fight climate change through the use of technology as well as through the use of our business practices. The last one um, is especially noteworthy for VMware uh, because our technology inherently is about reducing power consumption because we make computing equipment a lot more efficient, right? And uh, uh, therefore, we reduce power consumption. In fact, uh, our sustainability team has calculated, and this is validated with external auditors and so on, that we have saved the planet 1.2 billion metric tons of carbon emission, right? And uh, that's an enormous number, and that is without even trying. So you can imagine once we start trying uh, what we can do. So this 2030 uh, goals is very, very important to us as a company. And that is one of the few things that we have. I mean, in, in the tech business, it's really hard to predict what's right in front of your nose, let alone what's uh, 10 years out. 
But uh, in these three areas, uh, we thought it was worthwhile to set ourselves a goal uh, that's truly ambitious and work steadily towards it. Raghu, as the CEO of VMware, uh, you, you run a company of an extraordinarily large and complex organization. There are very few people who, uh, you're, you're in a club that is rather exclusive. I wonder, as you look back, what have been some of the difference makers for you? What, what are some of the magic ingredients uh, to your career and your makeup that have led to your achieving this august position? And, and perhaps with a little tuned, if you wouldn't mind tuning your answer a little bit to those who might wish to follow in your footsteps in one, one way or another, uh, what have been some of the difference makers for you? Um, to be honest with you, I've not had time to sit down and digest all this, right? So these things come one upon the other uh, very fast. Um, but I think fundamentally, um, what the reason I've had success at uh, VMware is I've taken a 360-degree view of the business right from the get-go, right? So um, I look at the world from the customer um, and, and uh, the market trends and so on and so forth. Um, and then I look at the world from a fairly deep try to get a very, very deep understanding of technology, right? Um, customers can tell you what their problems are gonna be in the next couple of years, but they're not gonna tell you what disruptive technology will they adopt in five years from now, right? So you somehow have to get bring those two things together. Um, so I think that's something that I've always uh, tried to spend a lot of time on, on both ends of the barbell, if you will, the customer end of the barbell, and the technology, technology not only from our team, but what's happening with other really, really uh, disruptive thinkers and entrepreneurs in the technology space, I would say, right? So I think uh, um, that's one of the things that has uh, helped me. And I think the second thing that uh, helps, especially in our business, is uh, I come from a product management background. And in the product management background, that is a phrase that you got to be able to ride the elevator up and down. What that means is that you got to be able to be in the details. At the same time, you got to be able to step up and look at the forest, not just the trees, right? Our business is a business around details. And so you got to be really, really incredibly focused on the details, even while you're looking at the job, right? And thirdly, like anything else, it's a people business, right? And so, um, being able to engage in a fundamentally authentic manner um, with the folks around you uh, is also a very, very critical thing to help you get the best data, help you build the best relationships and help you figure out how you want to lead. So I think, uh, I, would, I mean, you put me on a spot a little bit, but uh, speaking from, <laughs> um, and then of course, like what we started out with, which is you got to be able to clarify things for people and you got to simplify things for people, right? And uh, you got to be able to say, okay, I can bring some energy and positivity into a certain direction. If you're able to do some of these things, I think it works in your favor. Raghu Raghuram, thank you so much for, for joining me today on Technovation and sharing a bit about your experiences now six months into your post, uh, roughly uh, at VMware and sharing a bit about what you see as the future of the company and its broader impact in the tech landscape. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Great, and thanks for the time and the questions. <laughs>